wants UI UX that actually stands out and gets noticed, our friends at Reveal Eyes brought punchy personality to our SaaS Doc 2022 look and feel, bringing the whole event to life, both on our website and in person. Go to revealize.com, that's R-E-V-E-A-L-I-Z-E.com for a free UI UX consultation today. All of our messaging, all of our sales reps are all talking about deliverability because that's a pain point that we've validated that people care about, that we're good at, and that can get us demos and, and, and people interested in having conversation and purchasing the product. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right, welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma. I'm joined today by Sujan Patel, who's the CEO of Mailshake. I've known Sujan for a number of years now across a, a couple of businesses. Uh, so you're back on the podcast. I can't remember the last time you were on, actually, Sujan, but uh, great to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a long time. I think we, we probably were like a million ARR when we chatted last, or maybe, maybe even less. You may not have had some gray in your beard back then. We'll have to go back <laughs> and watch that, but uh, I can clearly see it now, but it's good. It's looking, looking good. But yeah, great. This is actually the second podcast recording I'm doing of the year, getting back into it and great to, to speak to a familiar face. So it's kind of, you know, I'm easing myself back in, Sujan. So yeah, it's, thank uh, you. It's a nice feeling. But uh, tell us for those that are listening, maybe they, they don't know you, tell us who is Sujan Patel? Let's dig into that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, I started off in my career as a, an SEO and search engine optimization and kind of expanded to all things marketing over the years as SEO kind of evolved into, hey, let's you really need to do good marketing to get SEO value. And then over time, um, I, originally my first business was a, a marketing agency. And really, uh, this was around like 2008 to 2014, where I worked with all types of businesses and I was fortunate enough to be kind of in the Bay Area, really hot time to be in the Bay Area where I worked with like companies like Mint, LinkedIn, you know, really TaskRabbit, stuff like that. They were, they were like, these were companies literally within arm's reach, like we shared offices or what have you. And so uh, long story short, I worked and as an outside consultant or marketing agency, helped a lot of these companies grow. And, you know, I worked from e-commerce, you know, to services, subscription, SaaS, and really fell in love with software. And I was like, how do I be on the other end of the economics of a software business, right? Like, sure, we can help companies grow, but like, how do I own one? And, and really, I realized during that time I was missing some key skills. So I knew marketing, and that means I can get traffic and I can figure out ways to convert people, but I don't know how to build a product. And so... In that, about eight years of running single grain, I tried to start many endeavors. Most of them failed. And I tried maybe three or four takes at running a so starting software companies. And my endeavor was really like, let's just build marketing stuff for my audience, right? I, I'm already selling to them. But what I was missing was product skill. I was like, I'd work with the developer. I'm like, hey, build this, right? And they would build it. And then only I would know how to use it. And I was the one driving the thing and driving like the 
UI, UX. And, and so I realized like, oh, I need to actually go work at a SaaS company. I need to like learn the ins and outs. And so I sold my business uh, to, to my, my other partners and effectively we took a job at a SaaS company. And one of my clients, in fact, the VP of marketing, I was like, I don't know, early in, you know, series A investor. And then I joined as an employee. Long story short, within the six, seven months of joining that company, I started Mailshake. And um, Mailshake took it's a long time to get the product market fit, way too long. And during that time, it took about a year and a half to two years. We pivoted to a different audience, different business completely. But during that time, we actually, my business partner and I were like, you know, I'm really good at marketing. Why don't we, instead of starting a company, why don't we go buy them, right? And so, you know, I was probably early in the micro acquire type businesses where I was buying small software companies. Fast forward now, seven years of doing this, I'm on year eight of buying and running companies. I've done about 11 acquisitions, sold, I don't know, like five or six different companies, currently have four main businesses. Mailshake is the primary one. It's kind of our portfolio company. We're about like 40-ish, 45 employees, something like that. And then we got Right Inbox, which is a Gmail and Chrome extension. You know, think about adding more functionality to Gmail. We got Voila Norbert, finding prospect information. And then ZoomShift, which is HR tech companies. But effectively, we're about like 70 employees, you know, eight figures ARR and, and, and growing. Great, great. Lots of questions there, actually. So, and we probably do a whole separate podcast about buying SaaS companies through MicroAcquire or elsewhere and, you know, kind of uh, getting them operationally efficient and I guess kind of like rolling them up. I even had some conversations on that sort of yesterday. A question on that then. Uh, so Mailshake was one that you didn't acquire, but you built your, your yourselves. Is that is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And so we started that endeavor in 2015, early 2015. And the original idea, original company name was called actually called contentmarketer.io. And the premise was, well, first and foremost, I was like, my goal was I didn't want to start a software company. Let me remove as many of the hurdles to get into software. So I'm six months in helping, you know, I was like number two at, at, at this, at the SaaS company I was working for. And so I, I was immersed in product. You know, I learned all the things I need to learn product sales. And, and I was fortunate enough to be uh, the CEO was a really a product driven CEO. And so I learned really how to be a good product person and the value of good UX and, and usability and, and easy to use was the like magic sauce I got out of that, that my, my two years, that company. But anyways, we, we started Content Marketer IO really as a way, one, to sell to marketers. Like I know this customer, they know me, I have a personal brand I've built. So, so before I started the company, I, I wrote a really clear goal. I was like, I want to start a software company to sell to marketers. So first and foremost, rewind two years, I started building my personal brand, right? Building an email list. I launched a book on growth hacking called 100 Days of Growth in 2014. We, I don't know, we slinged, we worked our butts off to sell about 40,000 copies and effectively got 40,000 emails. And I used those, that email list and my blog and that whole momentum to launch Content Marketer IO. What we didn't we didn't get product market fit. We, we got revenue. We got like 5, 10K MRR and we were effectively flat or, and then slightly declining. And, and people weren't using, it's an age old problem. People weren't using, they weren't activating and continually use the software because there were some flaws. So two things we did. 
we we took a lot of the functionality. We had this like big thing where Content Marketer would effectively find email addresses and then let you start email campaigns as well as uh, link Twitter automation as well. And so, uh, but we were selling to marketers and there was all these issues effectively with the email finding part. So no one would use the good stuff, like the email outreach section of our product. And so we, we, we made a micro tool j called Connector, just focusing on just the email outreach part. And we made it free. And then we're like, like it was, it caught on. Um, we literally just launched to our email list. It caught on really quickly. And then we're like, well, we should charge for this. Let's just charge like 10 bucks, right? A month. No, there's like a single user platform. This was a Hail Mary. This is like the like, this is what saved the company from like me from quitting in it, right? I'm like about 150 to 200 grand in to this business, you know, about a year in, got 10K MRR or like maybe it was like eight. I don't remember exactly the numbers, but like it was declining. It was like, there's like, it was where our cost was a, more than our, and I'm putting in money more than our revenue. And so when we launched Connector, we're like, oh, wow. And this works. And then, you know, at $10 a month, we were able to get more revenue from that product than our main product. And we're like, well, something's wrong here. Let's just ditch this whole main product and like rebrand a connector. And so my co-founder, my technical co-founder and I, he went to town to go build this new version with a lot of feedback that I gave him from the connector, early users. And well, simple things like allow people to add more users, right? Like let's have a team plan and then like, you know, more seats and such. Our pricing was all kind of wonky, but what we had, our magic sauce was you could go in with zero training and start a campaign. It was the simplest, easiest thing to launch. That stuff is still in our DNA at Mailshake. So our goal is to, is to keep, make easy to use software for salespeople. And so we want no training and we'll provide, you know, we provide training now. We're a lot more mature and whatnot, but, um, originally started off with email and now we're kind of omni-channel. So we have phone, email, LinkedIn automation and such, and, and, and such. But, um, my point is like the, it, it took us about like two years to, to relaunch connector and the magic happened when we got probably like somewhere between 5,000 users and like 5,500 salespeople started using the product. And we're like, they came in and I interviewed like a lot of customers early on and the marketers like, yeah, this is cool. I love this. They were comparing us to like, yes, we're a streak and some like companies that were like on the lower end of the market and salespeople came in and like, whoa, this is awesome. I just made money using this like right now. And we're like, oh, that's not the use case we thought of, right? But this was like, this was meant for bloggers and SEO people to do link building and outreach for marketing and biz dev reasons. And then when salespeople came like, oh, you can use this to generate revenue. Well, so that's when we found out salespeople are our actual customers or like founders or people using the company, using the product to do sales. And so that was when we're like, oh yeah, we need to like change everything in branding. And that's when we all shake kind of, got to product market fit. It was probably around like late 2017. So thanks for sharing that great story there. So from getting to product market fit in 2017, realizing this different use case and an ICP today, I think things look like they're going really well for you. I've seen the, the new house in Austin. I see a new car almost every two months. I don't know what, what's going on there, but I'm going to yeah, ask my, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So things are going well. You know, I've fortunately, I know how to make money. And I've made it since I was like 18. And so my, that's always fed my car habit. Got a diversified stream of income, essentially. 
So I'm able to like go all in on all my companies. I don't have to like, I did for the last five, seven years, I didn't have to like, like I didn't, wasn't poor because I wasn't taking a good salary. I wasn't taking a good salary. I was like dumping it all back into Mailshake and our other companies to grow. But you know, we talked before in, in really about the journey to go up market. And so that was the 2017 was the early, early end, like the first fact, like first things that led us to go, oh, we need to go after the sales customer. And we were like, how do we enter this market, right? So everything is competitive. There's even now more than ever, it's easy to start a company, right? You use Stripe API, you know, you, you really don't need to build a lot of the infrastructure because there's a lot of comp great companies out there. So there's a lot more competition. So we were like, how do we enter this market? And that was not where we wanted to go. It was just the entry point. And so we chose SMB, right? Self-service SaaS, because that's my background. I work with a lot of B2C uh, or more prosumers and SMB to get them in the product. So product-led growth before it was product-led growth, you know, that was kind of what I knew. And so like, let's go with that. And always from 2017, to, to 2019, we were looking for how do we how do we grow this company? So we started at nine dollars a month per user, and we quickly learned it wasn't again it wasn't our, it was our pricing to enter the market. We quickly learned that there's no way to build a multiple multi million dollar business at nine dollars a month on a user unless I get millions or hundreds of thousands of users, right? And since we're B two B, there's probably not path to get there with that price point. So we started, double, we actually doubled prices like every, we had, somehow we did it every July. So every July, we're like, I know this because our Stripe billing says July pricing, like it says like July, whatever year. So anyways, like long story short, we went from 19, nine to 19 to 29 to 39 to now we're at 59. So we started moving slightly up market away from the solopreneurs and individual buying the thing to teams. Right, and so we were always moving up market, but last uh, last January to so 2022, again, my partner and I, we are we buy businesses, so we know how to evaluate a business and what it's worth. So you know, we were we were we were doing really well, growing and, and doubling, 50 percent to 100 percent growth year over year. Um, and we one, we looked at the company and we're like, based off our, we had a high churn rate. We've tried all sorts of things to solve churn rate but really came down to our SMB customers have a high likelihood of failing, period, right? And they're like, because we're super cheap, like anybody can bust out a credit card, pay $60 for three months, a month for three months, and then try it. But chances are they haven't figured out their pitch, their business model, all these things. And so most of our churn is coming from the, the cohort of customers actually failing, right? And in, in, in what we wanted to do. So we're like, we have to go out market. The bigger customers were, were sticking around. And so two things we realized. One is we did it every year we do this, but we this 2022 was the critical year where we looked at the business like, how would you evaluate this business? What would I pay for this business if I was buying it? And the reality was like, I have a high churn monthly business with a lot of monthly revenue and my ARPU is low. Like, how do I 10X this business if I bought it today? And the reality was, I couldn't do it with the path that we're on. So that was realization number one. And we, we thought we were, you know, like a four or five X ARR revenue business. But when we talk to bankers and other folks that like independently value the business, when we do this again every year, they're like, yeah, your business sucks. I wouldn't buy it. 
like, you know, or they'd buy it for like 2x revenue. And I'm like, oh, that's not what that. So our goal from day one was to build a $100 million exit value business bootstrapped. And so I was like, that's far off. The 2x revenue was way far off from our $100 million goal. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not working this hard to do 2x revenue exit. I need to change it. And like, so pretty much we, we, we dug in deep and problem was churn. We had an 8% monthly churn rate, which is horrible. And we're like, how do we get this zero to 1% and how do we get our NRR up? And so that was the, that was the, that was one factor. Number two was with an 8% churn, we have a leaky bucket. We're going to hit our growth ceiling. So the growth ceiling is like when your churn and your growth catch up to zero. And we, in January, 2022, we prop, we estimated like sometime in 2023 summer, we'd hit this ceiling where we cannot grow anymore if our churn is this high, right? Because you can only add so much revenue if you're losing revenue every month, right? We're like refilling um, this bucket that's continuing to leak. And so we're like, well, how do we fix this? So we looked at our, all of our data, dot, lots of customer interviews. And again, writing, it's very obvious. We had competitors in the space like Outreach and Salesloft that were funded companies very focused on mid-market enterprise and above. And we're, we have SMB players like Lemless was one that came out. You know, we're, there's Reply. There's a bunch of smaller companies and we're all fighting for the same customer. Right? And I'm like, F this. This is not, this is, we're not playing this game, right? And I believe building features is a zero-sum game. Effectively, everybody can build features. And, you know, going back to like Made Mailshake Special, it wasn't more features. We actually don't have the most features intentionally so people can do the few right things to book demos and make closed deals, right? And so, so long story short, we're like, we need to go up market because this business isn't worth what we thought it was going to be worth. And so we, in Q2 of last year, we laid out a big plan. So first and foremost, we ripped the bandaid on churn. We're like, our yearly customers had a 1% churn rate. Our monthly customers had a somewhere between 8 and 10% churn rate, including, including delinquent churn. And I'm like, yeah, we need to go to month yearly. So we did a bunch of projections and we decided to shave off. We decided to shrink our company and in, in AR, projected ARR and go yearly. And so the math worked out to where if we got one-fourth of the customers that, uh, or one-fifth of the customers that came in, we had effectively would solve our churn problem like, 12 to 18 months from that point on, right? And so we're like, okay, uh, let's do this, right? And we'll do it for a month or two. And if it doesn't work, you know, we'll, we'll switch back and we'll have a monthly business and it'll suck. Uh, but it worked. We got, we got way more than one fifth of those customers. Uh, and we, we also, so going up market, the first path was changing pricing, right? So we went from monthly to yearly. Number two was how do we go after this customer? Like, we had, you know, my background's in marketing. So naturally we we're good at marketing. Our blog was getting 300,000 visitors a month and continuing to grow. Like we had a good, like we didn't have product led growth because we always had upfront payment required. And that was our solution to solve activation churn. And essentially our eight to 10% churn was all from activation. So it was the first 90 days. So we had, we had activation churn effectively. And so the number two thing we did was we Figure it out, like, how do we go up market? Who, what, what are the levers or channels we're going to use? And unfortunately, it wasn't marketing that was going to drive the up market. We were doing more marketing and we were getting more customers, but we kept getting more of the same customers. And like, 
this isn't doing it. Like we need to go after the sales audience and our sales customer, they don't know who the heck we are. Like we don't exist in their minds, right? Like uh, we're not even being evaluated against outreach and sales law. And so we're like, okay, pricing, first of all, like we weren't evaluated because our pricing was so odd or whack. If you're going to go sign a hundred thousand dollar contract with sales law for outreach and we're charging $99 a month, like that's just like apples and lemons, right? Like it's just so different, right? Um, and so we just weren't even considered there. So what we realized is like marketing is not going to get us there. So I had to unfortunately fire the whole marketing team when we were spending about a million dollars a year on marketing. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like no amount of traffic, no amount of the channels that we're investing in, we're going to get the growth. And it really became, came down to sales and outbound sales. And so uh, we hired this like hot shot, like outbound sales leader and you know and and you know i had been following so jed marley is our head of outbound sales he came from panda doc and so i was looking for this like unicorn hire where they had experience selling in low acv so like going up market is hard from monthly if i started the business up market no problem right like we would just be used to selling deals but transitioning was a very, very big, like it's like moving a cruise liner. You got to go slow and you got to put a lot of effort to even make small turns. And so we tried to figure out. So at the time we have, again, low ARPU, high churn. And effectively, that means our average contract value was in the thousands, like one to two. And that was like a, a good day, right? That was a good year. In order for us to do outbound, we need and go up market. We need five, 10, 20, 50 K ACVs. And so we're still on this path, but I feel like we've made enough traction to where we now say it's working. So, at, you know, we're pretty much having this, we have, we have about 5,000 customers and probably, I don't know, 50,000 users or so. And of those, maybe five, 7% of, are those upmarket customers. And every month we're kind of tracking that, but effectively we're like, how do we get, how do we go from one to 2,000 ACV to 5,000 to 10,000 to 50,000? That's kind of the, the goal here we're kind of still working on it. And going back to key hires, I had to find an outbound salesperson or sales leader that knew how to sell low ACV. I can't go get somebody, I can't get the, get a VP of sales and that does enterprise or mid-market deals because they might be able to sell 50 or hundred K deals, but we don't have a product that can support that today at what last, last year. And so we had to inch by inch go up market um, and it really came down to hiring the right, investing in the right channel, stop investing in the wrong channels. So that million dollars I saved in marketing and it, it sucked to fire people and, and lay people off, even though they were doing a good job, but their goals would never hit company goals. And then we spent that same money into outbound sales and really beefing up our product and, 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 and uh, sales team. So with the, the higher ACV target customers, uh, you built the outbound sales team and the five, seven percent that you kind of mentioned, have they all exclusively come from the outbound sales team? Pretty much. Not really, actually. So that's so you would that's what I would you would think from the outside that like, hey, we did outbound sales, so now we're we're getting all of our you know, all of our revenue from outbound. Actually, first thing we did was change our messaging. So we did we used Winter, uh Pep Lodge's company, and we we audited all of our messaging on our website and well, we found out what's, what messaging would resonate and what pain points would resonate with our new customer. 
So we did, we went back to the drawing board of like, who's our ICP? It was like pre-product market fit efforts, right? So like, who's our ICP? What messaging resonates with them? And then um, from an outbound sales perspective, but then also like from a, if we're targeting sales leaders, like sales managers, sales directors, and VP of sales or CROs, kind of that like gamut of people, what messaging on a website would resonate? So we pretty much redid our website and copy. It wasn't even design changes. It was just copy changes to really focus on a focus on pain points and things that would resonate with these new customers. So that was step one. And then we went outbound sales and because of the outbound sales and we, you know, we hired a prolific, like a sales leader who had a personal brand and was, you know, knew all the sales folks, we actually got in front of the right customers. And so um, outbound sales drove like a third of new business, maybe even less. Uh, all of our marketing efforts, we just magically got the right customer because we had the right messaging. And inbound sales was getting more and more of the right customer as we focused, really focused narrowly on that ICP, right? And so first was un trying to understand that. And then we scrapped our roadmap that we were building and we said, okay, what, is, what do we need to build? What product do we need to build to hit that ICP? And so we that's kind of the last change that we did. It was like, okay, let's go really truly understand this ICP. And there's probably around 11 or 12 things that we were missing in the product. So we stack ranked them and we're like chipping away at it. And you said that you fired the marketing team. Surely you must have a, some marketing department right now in terms of which is doing marketing to the SMBs and uh, and even the, the mid-sized companies, right? Yeah, yeah. So we we have a... We have a 1.5 person marketing team, right? <laughs> it is a very small marketing team. We have one goal. People don't know who our, we are in the, our ICP don't, doesn't know who we are. So we have a branding and awareness, very, very top of the funnel problem. So we turned one of our salespersons who's been really like leading the way of building like her personal brand, as well as like, just like helping our sales reps build their personal brands. And so in, instead of focusing on MailShake the brand, we focus on 12 or so sales reps we have and helping them build their personal brands all around the same messaging. So at the moment, the messaging that works and it, it's going to continue to change is that we've got superior email deliverability than anyone in the, you know, in, in the space. And that's because we built that our product intentionally for that. And so all of our messaging, all of our sales reps are all talking about deliverability because that's a pain point that we've validated that people care about, that we're good at, and that can get us demos and, and, and people interested in having conversation and purchasing the product. So, so yeah, our, our 1.5 1 person marketing team is, is, her name's Maggie. So she, her job is to build our branding and awareness. So she's going out there. We launched two podcasts. We launched like a, an email newsletter that's kind of curated by our sales leaders. So we're doubling down on really talking to and with and, and having conversations with these sales sales leaders. And so now we're in conversations. What has moving up market done to your ARR? And also, what do you think it's done to your valuation? Because you say the, the previous val valuers saying, you know, this is, you know, not a great business, but now, you know, what would you say? Yeah. So we had three things we wanted to fix in our business. Bigger customers, so higher ACV, very measurable, right? Like you can measure new deal value and all, total value of the customer. Number two is eradicate churn. Um, and number three is 
increase NRR to 110 to 120%. And so those are the metrics I look at and all three metrics we've, so in May of 2022, we went yearly pricing in October, November of last year, no, probably like September, October of last year. Um, so it took about four months. We went, we got above hundred percent NRR, NRR and pretty much eradicated churn. And so, yeah, I mean, we had these metrics to hit essentially. And, and it really came down to like, if we look at like, you know, selling this company. Now I look at hundred million dollar exit value as a really good goal. It's a simple line a simple sentence that includes a whole lot of subsets. So if you want to be an, if you want to exit, you have to be a well-run company. You have to be profitable. You have to be growing. You have to be a, somebody wants, has to buy you and says, I can do more with this company or like this would be valuable. And we looked at who would buy us. And effectively the buyer market was very slim. It was PE companies. And so PE companies care about financials. So we need to have really good metrics in order to be sellable to PE. Now, the other companies would be strategic, right? So like a CRM could buy us, Salesforce could buy us, right? Like so, but Salesforce would not buy a $1,000 ACV company, right? Even 5,000, even 50,000 makes no relevant difference to them, right? And so I just look at expanding our buyer pool outside of PE because PE, it's like a no-brainer. You could sell to them. The valuation you might get is going to probably shitty or worse than a strategic exit. And so... The goal was just really like, let's keep moving up market. There's no cap on this. There's no like, I'm not sharing intentional valuation because I'm, tr- I'm transparent to a certain point. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of things we look at and how we value the company. But effectively, we need to go back on this path to $100 million exit value. And to put it simply, $100 million exit value means you're at 20 to $25 million a year growing 50, 50%. Um, that rule of 40 is important, right? So the rule of 40 is like, I'm going to butcher this, but effectively you have to be growing net 40% a year. And there's just, again, there's absolutely no way to grow 40% a year with 8% churn and monthly pricing. It, it just doesn't work unless you've figured out this like magical channel and you're, or you have funding and you're burning money on, on your CAC. Moving into the quickish fire round, Sujan, what one thing... Maybe it's what we've just discussed. Well, one thing has moved the needle the most for Mailshake. Understanding your customer. What is the best advice you have ever received? Charge more. That's a good one. What's your biggest failure you've made and lesson learned? Just so many. Um, Channel market fit. Not addressing that. Okay. Can you elaborate on that? What marketing or what channel acquisition channel is actually going to hit your ICP, right? Again, that marketing, that million dollar marketing mistake I made, I was waste, we wasted a year and a half and a million bucks and we didn't get the customer we wanted. It's like, as a bootstrap company, that's a million dollars that goes in my pocket. That's like a life-changing amount of money, right? That could have went in my pocket or could have went into the right, right, right avenue. So we had the wrong channel for the customer. What's the hardest thing about being a CEO? You know, making tough decisions for the, the good of the company, even though it might not be good for individuals or myself. What does your daily routine look like? Play with my kids in the morning. So I got three young kids. I get to play with them first thing in the morning for an hour, hour and a half. Head to the gym, start my day around 9.30. 9.30 to about 12.30, I've got a lot of one-on-ones and, and management meetings. And then after 12.30 or so, I kind of have no meetings. I kind of intentionally have no meetings. And I focus on the big questions of how can I add more value to my companies? How can we add, not I, I do no individual contributor work. 
how can we add more value and make our companies more appealing for an exit? Very cool. This question's not there. I'm going to ask it. How many car, new cars a year do you get? Are you on some sort of <laughs> subscription? <laughs> oh man, I spend and I waste so much money. It's all I consider. It's only wasting money if you don't enjoy it. Okay, so I this is my hobby. Uh, probably like, like seven to twelve cars a year. I get really bored. I've kind of owned like by like probably 50, 50, 60 cars now. Uh, yeah, that's almost a car a month. A new car a month. Uh, yeah, but, uh, three. My average is like three months. So. I have three cars right now. So like I rotate through them. Each one kind of has a three to six month cycle. <laughs> and so it does turn out to be like my wife to this point, like my wife's like, don't even talk to me about this car stuff. Like uh, I've got a budget I spend. And, and if you're wondering, how do I do this? How do you make money on this? You don't make money. It's, it's a money pit. I don't care. Uh, I, I've made good money since I was for the last 20 years enough to where I can justify wasting it on cars. And I truly enjoy it. Like I, I go on drives and like, you know, I put maybe three to 10,000 miles on each car, but those are all fun miles. Like I'm not driving to commute and stuff. Finally, you're speaking at Sasta Austin in, I think it's 31st of May to the 2nd of June. What are you looking forward to about Sasta coming to Austin and doing Sasta USA? What is it about Austin as well that, you know, I think sort of is interesting for people in SAS, you know, at the moment? Yeah, I... I, lo I love the fact that Sassock is coming to the USA again. I'm so excited. I had an amazing time at the Dublin event. I love the energy that Sassock has. And, and, you know, the speakers, the founders, the attendees, all world class. Very, very different energy than some of the other SAS conferences. Uh, I feel like more, it's less salesy and more building of relationships and, and, and content. So I'm excited to bring it to my hometown. I think Sastock's energy really matches the vibe of Austin. And Austin has grown quite a bit with so many, so many entrepreneurs and SaaS founders and companies moving here. So I'm, I'm excited to get everyone together at a place so we can kind of connect and whatnot. And I look at, I'm looking at the speaker lineup and there's just like, I'm actually looking forward. I'm actually going to be pinging some speakers like, Hey, give me a rundown or share your slides like now. Right. And so there's just so much good content coming in. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Sujan. Looking forward to that. I'm hoping potentially to make a trip out to Austin before then, but if not, I'll, I'll definitely be seeing you at SAS.USA 31st of May to the 2nd of June. Well, Sujan Patel, thanks so much for being a great guest on the SAS Revolution show today. Appreciate you coming back, you know, four years after the, the first podcast and, you know, congrats on the success with Mail, Mailshake and moving it up market. We'll get the valuation out of you in person in Austin, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And, uh, We'll speak soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaSdoc conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.